we're off. Right, so, Syed, you're, <laughs> your surname's Saleh, you're from Egypt, but you're a Man United supporter, so where did it all go wrong? Well, uh, hello everybody, good evening, I'm so glad to be here with you on air tonight, <laughs> with this block from Liverpool. Yeah, actually right, my surname is Salah, and I'm Egyptian as well, like Mo Salah, he's my cousin actually. <laughs> <It'd be a> dream. <laughs> yeah. I would love to, but yeah, I am supporting the best team in the world, not only the best Liverpool. team in England. Manchester United, mate, the no. true Reds, mate. No. No. no, they're not the Reds, the Red Devils. <laughs> they are the Red Devils. That's yeah. right. The red, only Liverpool are the Reds. Everybody else is a different thing. Yeah. Like Nottingham Forest, it's the Garibaldis. They don't call themselves Reds. Tricky Trees, anything like that, even though they play them red. Arsenal don't call themselves Reds. No, they call themselves Gunners. Gunners, Gunners, uh, yeah. Right. Right. Just red is Liverpool for some reason. I don't know why. So this has been the colour of Liverpool since birth of the team. Nope. Used to be blue and white. Yeah, you see. So it used to be, you know, Blackburn Rovers, the blue and white quarters. Yeah. Liverpool used to play in that to start with Everton wearing red. Everton was wearing red. Yeah. And they no way. Red. No yeah. bloody way, mate. In the early <laughs> days, Liverpool were blue and white, and Everton were red and white. All right. Had to believe. Oh, <laughs> you would think it out. I would never but then, think about yeah, it. that was that was even after they left Anfield and went to Goodison Park. They still. So even Everton, they have been playing. They used to play in the uh, in the Anfield Road. That used to yeah, be their stadium. Yeah, used to play Anfield. Yeah. Well, then they had a dispute with John Holden, the um, chair, uh, the chairman and owner, landlord. Like, and so they left and went off to. They were actually St Domingo's Church then, church team initially. And they went off to Goodison Park, create you know a new stadium, a new purpose-built stadium at Goodison Park, just across the way, like. All right. And. Uh, Anfield was left empty, so John Holding got his mates together and created Liverpool. And then he went up to Scotland and recruited a whole team of Scots players. Because the first ever first ever Liverpool team didn't have anybody English in it. It was all Scots. Wow. It's 11 Scotsmen. Wow. So, yeah, fully foreign, basically. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> today, like, how many English players do you have in the current team of Liverpool? I guess it's... Alexander-Arnold, Milner... Henderson, Henderson, Joe Gomez, uh, and Sturridge. Sturridge, yeah. Uh, Who else in the squad? Brewster, if you can count him, even though he's not, but he was injured. Uh, yeah. So you can mm, count six. Yeah, like six English if players. If you count Rian Brewster, which is stretching it, like, because he's obviously. Who? Rian Brewster. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Right. He would have been playing this season, but he's been injured, so. It is such an exciting atmosphere <clears throat> nowadays since we are getting very close to the final of the Champions League yes, for the second time in a row. Oh, wait. What's the date? It's today, the 27th, mate. And so it's like, just four days then, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Well, like, five days. Then. Yeah, right, you know, after one hour from now, that will be only like. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the uh, Europa League final. That's before, isn't it? Day before. Europa League final's day before, isn't it? Yeah. Chelsea Arsenal. And who won that? Chelsea Arsenal. Chelsea. Oh, yeah, that will be the day, the day before the the, the Champions yeah. League. Yeah. In Baku. In Baku. Yeah, Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. Why so far? It's not even because Europe. Because they pay a lot of money. It is in Europe. Well, sort of. It's in Asia, mate. Sort of. They count themselves as Europe. So. Really? Yeah, I think, think some of it's in Europe, some of it's in Asia, isn't they it? They are in the heart of Asia. Come on, we all know that. Azerbaijan, isn't it? Yeah, of edge. course. Azerbaijan, the land of fire. Yeah, it's on the edge. 
It's on the Eastern European, you know, the Eastern European. Once you cross I'm it. sure some of it's like it's like Turkey, you know, where Istanbul's half in Asia. Yeah, I could say Istanbul, I think yeah. it's the same as that, you know, Azerbaijan. I but think it's, it's still further that. east, east, like, you know, to the eastern side of, of Turkey. So I would say that Turkey could be like a center point between Asia and Europe uh, and basically Russia, but because it's such a massive country. But... Yeah, we are here about to, to talk about football, and you know, yeah, we are. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting as well. See, we're talking football. That's proper yeah. football. See, and we're giving knowledge as well. Not that we've got any, but if we do, uh, my yeah. beautiful fellow Mohammed Salah is becoming a national hero in Egypt. It's even said that if he's going for the Egyptian elections, he would really become the president well, he, of Egypt. He nearly did, didn't he? He didn't yeah. even stand. <laughs> What was it? Wasn't he the second highest vote received? Was Mohamed Salah? Oh, yeah. And yeah, he wasn't even standing. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. He's a smile of the Nile. Right. Is that what they call God? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my mum loves him. Yeah, I saw her beautiful picture beside that uh, Liverpool. With the Never Give Up t-shirt that she went and bought because he had one. <laughs> <laughs> she went all the way up there just to buy one. Oh, really? And all the way, yeah, she went traipsing around to find one. Like, Well, it's very easy. And I thought, you know, I heard one time, like, back in the last season of the Premier League that there were, they have ran out of Montserrat t-shirts or Liverpool shirts. They have already all been gone. Oh. The uh, Alison Becker was the one that was the problem. The uh, pink goalkeeper shirt was the one you couldn't buy for love nor money. Sold out as the fastest selling shirt. I, I remember reading something. Oh, Alison Becker. It was the it was the guy in the New Balance shop told me it was the fastest selling shirt that New Balance have ever produced. Really? Yeah, they couldn't when was they that? couldn't produce them fast enough to make you know to to get them in the shop. There's the need of the market. Yeah, because I kept because I wanted to get one for my mum for Christmas. And the guy was saying, you've got no chance. You've got no chance. <laughs> and they can't produce them fast enough to fill up the orders from, the, you know, just the Liverpool official store alone to sell them too quick. Wow. They just can't do it. And why? why, why I mean, when, when, that, when was that and which season? Last, that season? last year. Last year, yeah. Yeah, this Christmas gone. Just oh, this yeah. Christmas just gone. Yeah, yeah, this Christmas. Because that was what she wanted desperately. With my mum's name being Alison, mm-hmm. obviously. Right. She wanted an Alison Becker shirt. Right, yeah, yeah. I know. Even though he has a Becker on the back of it, she was going to have Alison on yeah. the back oh. of it. Like, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's such a lovely Brazilian goalkeeper and he's one of the main reasons why you guys got qualified for the final of the Champions League that season. Well, obviously, after this, this tragic, uh, you know, this season, yeah, after the tragic, the way home in, in, in Camp Nou and Barcelona was not that fit, actually, you know, and he's totally came back with a very strong performance on the way back in the Enfield Road. You know, uh, Alison Baker is a is a great goalkeeper. You know, the whole team is has such a very special chemistry nowadays. Liverpool has got one of the best squads in the world right now, and we have actually got big ambitions that Liverpool could really surprise us all uh, this season for the final of the Champions League. Hopefully, wouldn't be a surprise now. I think now now it's Spurs. I don't think it. I think it's. it's probably, I would say Liverpool are probably got to be slightly favourites up there in the betting. I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not one for betting or anything like that. Right. And I don't like making predictions or anything like that, yeah. so I won't do. But I just mean, like, in the betting, in the bookies' favourites, I would think Liverpool would be slightly favourites because obviously we finished above Spurs mm-hmm. in the league. Right. And we got to the final last year. So the chances are you would, if you were a betting man, 
That's right. And you know what? Even like uh, I want to tell you something which is absolutely true. I even spoke with a couple of them. huge Manchester United fans in the UK and over here and, you know, including myself. I would prefer if the Champions League going to any team rather than my favourite team. I would really think that Liverpool is the yeah, most well-deserved. That's because you want Salah to win it. Well, uh, apart <laughs> from Salah, everybody knows in England and outside England that Liverpool had such an exceptional season and so, you were like very close to win the Premier League as well. Even. The big question is, how did you end up you know, with Man United as your team? What did you do so wrong? In the world, mate, like when it was so young. But they've so never young. been the best team in the world, have no, they? No, it always has been. You know what? No, because they, they went to the Club World Cup in and England. they failed miserably. <laughs> and I remember it well. No, they, they sacked off, off the <laughs> FA Cup to go. And my uncle was the commentator. I had to be a on a... Um, it was shown on cable TV only. No way, mate. It was shown on cable TV and my uncle was a pundit in the studio. <laughs> and the BBC or whoever it was that was showing him, I'm sure it was the BBC, were telling him he had to say he wanted Man United to win. <laughs> and, like, my uncle, rabid Liverpool fan, said to me afterwards, he came home, he was absolutely devastated because they'd made him say that he wanted Man United to win. And he was desperate for that. He? <laughs> he said, the only thing that made up for having to say that, and he said it made him feel physically sick having to say that. He said he, he just wanted to go into the toilets and vomit after, after <laughs> saying it because he desperately wanted Man United. He said, the only thing that made up for it was they got a... They got a hide in. <laughs> <laughs> he said that made it all weird. <laughs> he said if it, if they lost every time I said I wanted them to win, I'd say I wanted them to win every game. <laughs> no, but you know when I was a little kid, I, I you know I loved the team. You know along with another three leading clubs in in, in Europe, like basically in the whole world. I used to be a big man. I'm still a Manchester United fan and a Real Madrid fan and AC Milan fan. So it wasn't because of... Um, well, uh, there are Ronaldo. some reasons. Like, my uncle, he used to... He used to still working even as, a, as an English teacher, and he used to te- tell me about it, because <laughs> back in that time, it was not very familiar for someone who lives in a village in Upper Egypt to get to know about European football, even he was, like, a very little kid. So I used to go to the football stadium, I mean, to stadium, even to the playground with him, watching the big the elders playing football and they didn't even when our turn comes to play so we used to play as well so he used to tell me about this huge legends like back in the time you know and even I, I like the red color I like Manchester United being the most famous the most strongest team in the world and the, the most like according to English Premier League winners ever you know so, so, uh, so yeah. what are you talking about? Because like, uh, and even you, they have legends. They have no I means. Like, no, I, I, I'm talking about what age were you? When it, when I was like when I was maybe ten years old or something. Yeah, so that was in what twenty yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah, right back in two thousand, two thousand, nineteen ninety nine, nineteen ninety eight. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So ninety. See, I've how young you are. You're Alex, only a kid, like Alex Ferguson, you know, and then. Uh, David Beckham, Eric Cantona, Alan Shearer, you know, uh, he Alan was, Shearer, when did sorry, he United? <laughs> 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 no, don't, you can't change it, you can't take it back. You I, I mean, it's Sky, mate, sorry, mate, it's the same, the name is very similar, you know. Yeah, you know, they have a lot of legends in Manchester United. Like <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> and full stop, the chapter's closed, you know. Cristiano Ronaldo is the main reason why I became such a big fan of Manchester United. This is where he was 
like let's say he was truly made a champion there. He used to be a very, very talented player even before he joined Manchester United. And now Liverpool nearly bought him. Yeah, really? For three point six million. That was in it. Do you remember the conversation we were having about how much I detest Rick Parry? And uh, that, uh, that's one of the reasons because he turned him down for three point six million. Said it was too expensive to pay for a teenager. Really? Yeah. Even though every single scout told him this lad's going to be the best player in the world, you've got to sign him. Every single, you know, the manager at the time, I can't even remember who it was then, uh, the head, you know, the chief scout, all the scouting department said, no, you've got to take this lad. Everybody told him, but Rick Parry decided he knew best. <laughs> he knew best because he's a, an accountant, and obviously who knows more about football than an accountant? <laughs> oh my god, this, yeah. yeah. 3.6 million. Well, and do you know, I'm anyway, when I bought it for 12.6. Anyway, he would prefer to play for Manchester United, I'm even sure if, the, if the time would go back. Trust me, he would choose Manchester each and every single time. Because he, that's one, one of his dreams. No, he he even said that. I read about. But he's also said that he said a lot of things afterwards. <laughs> it's amazing how people always change it. I mean, look at Brendan Rodgers. He said he said he was a Liverpool fan. He said he was a Celtic fan. And now, and yet, when he got the chance to leave Celtic, he jumped ship straight away for the money. Robbie Keane. Every team he played for, apparently, he had a scarf on the wall and supported them as a boy. <laughs> Even though he played for forty-five teams, he managed to support all of them oh, during his childhood. Even those that didn't exist when he was a child, <laughs> he still claimed to have been a childhood fellow. <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo was never the least. best best player ever in Alma. Apart from, we will not be talking about his like uh, personality and how he's behind the cameras. Well, it's just actually not our concern. But we can talk about the good deeds, of course, for any human being on the planet. But we will talk about his character, his presence in the playground as a football player, that he's always giving uh, uh, a very positive energy to all the other fellows in, in the team. You know, he is, I would never forget introducing the 18 years old player in Manchester in Old Trafford back in 2000. Do you think he's that positive on the pitch at times? Because sometimes I think, like, when he throws a strop because a player shoots and it does rather than passes to him, even when they score, I've seen him throw a strop, oh, God, like that, when the, when the other players got and scored because he didn't pass to him to score instead. <laughs> Is that really a good... Sometimes well, I wonder. I know he's might, a great player. If, it might, if it might happen, maybe, like, it's, it's like a normal feeling because if you are competing... But in the most of the time, he was always the main the main, like, bower of the team. Like, he's the main striker of the team. He's the most talented player. He's, like, fit enough. He's quick enough. He's, he's in the right place at the right time. By far, he is the best finisher ever happened in the world, in the history of football. I give you that. Mm, I don't know. You've so many old school players. I think, I think, surprised. I think You've got to remember that. Isn't really like time. the guy. Yeah, no, no, no. Time. I think he's a great player. I've never, I've never disputed that. What I'm saying is, he plays on absolute billiard tables every single week. Same with Messi. This is why I can't I can't rate them as the greatest ever. Because they're doing it, the ball's not bobbling. It's running smoothly when they're hitting it. It's much easier to strike a ball when you know what it's going to do. Whereas when it's playing on a cabbage patch like they used to play, and they're having to strike it, and they're still striking it through, you know what? The old Hungarian guy who's, uh, is the one I'm going to... Pushkas. Ferenc Pushkas, the best striker of the ball I've ever seen. 
Honestly, you watch footage of him, left footage, he could do wonders with the ball. George Best tells a story about when they were down in Australia coaching. Him and Kush Kasser, some other guy. Kush Kasser at the time, obviously, was a few years before Best. So he's an old man at this point, fat old man, because he was always overweight. Always very overweight he was, Kush Kasser, you know what I mean? He was a little, like, round ball <laughs> man, like, in the 50s he played. I don't know if you, you know, the Hungarian team, the great Hungarian team, the Magical Magyars, he was the main star of that. Anyway, yeah. So, in the, him and George Best and another great player, I can't remember another, it was, I'm sure it was a Man United legend as well, were coaching in Australia and I'm doing this coaching course. <clears throat> the kids didn't know who Frank Bushkas was at all, didn't have a clue. So they, they were talking, they were saying about hitting the, said about hitting the crossbar, how many times do you think he'll do it? No, because they were just disrespecting this fat old guy like. And Bess said, he'll hit it, he said, there are five shots, he'll hit it five times. Pushkas, four, first four, bang, 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 on the crossbar. The fifth one flipped up on his, flipped up, flipped over his head, swiveled, bang, hits the crossbar again, from the halfway line each time. Five times in a row he hit the crossbar, perfectly. That's that's something no no player, modern player, could do. They can't. They don't have that level of that level of ability because they're playing on such a good surface that the minute you see them play on a pitch that's not perfect, they look like you know they haven't got a clue what to do. They're all over the shop. Man City showed it this season on the on a perfect pitch. They're brilliant. Absolutely. But when they were in the FA Cup and they were playing on cabbage patches, you know these messed up mm. pitches in the lower league teams. They were crap. They were awful. They just—they were the same level but, as the team they were facing. But obviously, but they, they should have a skill level where they should still be yeah. better than the team they were up against. But <laughs> they didn't look it. <laughs> well, obviously, everything's developing and everything is becoming modern. And you know, it's. Yeah, but uh, does that make them better, or does it better. just mean the facilities are better? Well, actually, the facilities even a part of, of, of the game at the moment. No, yeah, but I, I mean, does it make the player better to play on better conditions? I don't think it does, because you look at the best players in the world, most of them have come from difficult conditions. That's right. Ronaldo, as a kid, didn't play on the best pitches. He That's played in it. He had the poverty. You know, it was, it was poor where he was. He was on dirt pitches where the ball would bobble and that. That was where... But because he's then graduated onto billiard tables, he's not kept developing that initial skill. George Best was playing with tennis balls on concrete and stuff, you know what I mean? And that's how he developed his skills. Because he wasn't on perfect pitches. And that's, mm. to me, I think it's a huge mistake, is they move these kids onto these perfect pitches from the start, you know, when they're little kids. And they're not learning about playing football, they're just learning about playing on a perfect... But, you know, they're not learning... The full game. Yeah, but you know, developing uh, the whole thing of this football of that kind of a sport. It's about fun. I mean, entertainment, and you know, it wouldn't make someone suffer. Like, in order to make sure that if he's performing good or not, are we still on air? Yeah, still recording. Don't okay. worry, I'm checking. So basically, there's no, no, there's no issues. There's nothing wrong with putting the best it of was, circumstances. It was fun on crap the, pitches, though, isn't it? It's just as much fun when you're on a crap pitch. Yeah, I, mean, I think like if we back to our old days, it was like a lot of fun back on those days. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we used to play on all you know anywhere. It was never, it was anywhere. never a good pitch. Half the time you had a slope and uh, you had ditches. Yeah. You had to swerve round dogma. <laughs> you know, 
Who could ever forget this day? And people were trying to, you know, and when you're playing as a kid, people are always trying to throw themselves into heavy challenges. They're trying to hit you. They're not trying to get the ball most of the time. That's something that's gone from the game as well. They don't have to avoid being hammered by someone, you know, like Maradona was getting hammered waist high every single game, constantly. Messi and Ronaldo don't have those problems. Right, these aren't, yeah. That's why I can't give them the credit, you know, of being the greatest ever. Until they can prove it at the same sort... They're fitter. They're much fitter. And the technique is cleaner because... The, but, but how much of that is down to the pitches and the, the conditions they're playing in rather than them being better technicians? I'd, because I've seen, you know, these old-time players. I've played against some of them. And the touches and the skill they've got, you know, when you put them on a perfect pitch, the touch and the skill is fantastic. They couldn't do it on a cabbage patch because it was a cabbage patch, but they could still play football, you know what I mean, to a good level. You watch, like, the old teams, the uh, Busby Babes, the, the Liverpool teams, they played fantastic football still, but they were on crap pitches. But Man City, you put them on a crap pitch and they play shit. Absolutely. <laughs> so that, how much is it? Is it the team? No offence, or for, uh, for the City fans or for the City team or at all. We are just, like, talking about the different circumstances and how technology has its own impact, of course, in developing the game itself. Well, the whole game, let's say, today, Mr. Tristan is becoming, uh, well... It's been commercialized, you know, it's been business and, and a huge amount of money is being spent on the teams and clubs and preparations and facilities, you know. So I don't really think that there's, okay, maybe you have your own point of view that you really need to see the player in a very hard conditions to find out if he's a truly well, talented player. I just think they're losing that little bit of flair that they have. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're all a bit robotic now because they're all going through academies rather than... Mm. That's why you get players like Manny because they're not going through the academies and that as as five-year-olds. They're not spending their ten years in the academy being trained to play the same way. What do you think of the football academies nowadays and all of that? I just think they're too... You know, they're, they're turning players into robots rather than players. They're not teaching them to think for themselves. They're teaching them how to play the same way. They're teaching them perfect... You know, this nice technique and all that, especially mm. the English ones. They've got this nice technique. They've all got the similar... But none of them are gaining... They've not got good tactical ideas. Defending's non-existent. They're not teaching defending are you, are at you, all. Are you saying that uh, these... Uh, you know, football schools and uh, football academies and stuff like that, they are actually not giving the enough space for the players to develop their own ways. Yes, that's really. exactly the problem. Because they're, they're not allowed to, you know, uh, most of them ban, their, um, ban the kids from playing for other teams. When I was a kid, you used to play for as many teams as you four could every four single day. Yeah. You sometimes you four or five I times played a day. Three teams I mean, I played with a load of kids from academies. You know, when I used to have kickabouts, we'd be playing against kids. You know, a lot of the kids we were playing with were in Premier League academies or whatever. I remember one of them was uh, was at Southampton. You know, he was at the, with Shearer and that. Played for Southampton? Yeah, he was in the academy with Shearer and that, and he, was, he left because he was homesick in the end. Came back, but you know, and we used to play against this, and they played for all these, you know, these local sides, the school side. But nowadays, when they're in the academy, they're not 
being allowed to do how, how this. How do you think that that should be done in order to maintain, you know, the football academies nowadays, which is without a doubt it has it has its own its own existence into the new football games. However, in the same time, to try to develop, let them develop the way they want, let them choose the position where they want to play. You know, we just not, you don't you don't really need to dictate on them to play in a specific way. You know, they still can have their own touch, their own freestyle. What the Americans do is they instead of well. Only in some, obviously not all. Yeah. But a lot of the Americans, what they do is they Mm. have them playing lots of different sports rather than just football. Whereas, are you talking about American football or our? No, American sport. I'm talking about the the soccer academies, should I say, to to differentiate it in America. The soccer academies, some of them will have, they'll encourage their kids to play other sports and that because it develops other things like hand eye coordination, speed of foot. Um, it develops uh, balance, it develops all kinds of things. And the ones like Christian Pulisic, his parents were coaches. His parents are both coaches. And they encouraged him to play other sports. He was excellent at, I forget which one, but a number of other sports. He could have gone into one of about six different sports at you know, college age. Yeah. He could have gone into it, but he, you know, he specialised in football. And he developed, uh, you know, I mean, his physique changed and all that because of playing all these different sports. Aids develop. Whereas if you just single-mindedly focus on one, you're not developing your all-round skill set, you know? Right. You're not getting a different viewpoint. I mean, you can learn things from playing other sports that you can't learn from just playing one because you start to develop a different understanding tactically and mentally in your mind. You see things differently. Mm. Like basketball, because it's small and you know it's quick, and it's a you see a different you know a different tactical way of playing. Ice hockey is another because of the speed. You know you're seeing different things from watching them alone. Even right, you can learn different things that can apply to football. Whereas they're not allowed to do that these days. They're not really doing that in England, and that's they're creating good players, but they're good players. They're good robots rather than. You know, there's none of that. I mean, there's no 1970 Brazil team anymore. There's nothing like that about. Nobody's got that kind of flair in their team anymore, because everybody's trying to produce these basic good technique, good passes, keep the ball. It's all about possession. Nobody's got, you know, nobody's mm. going all out attack, and nobody's doing anything different really. Right. They're all too samey samey. Right. Where do you see football like, let's say, in ten years from now? What do you see the future of that amazing European game? Super League, sadly, probably. European Super League? Yeah, sadly, and I think domestic football in England will suffer badly. And all across Europe as well, I think the whole domestic football scene will suffer badly if they bring in a prop, you know, a Super League like the clubs want. It's going to be, sort of be a disaster. And I don't think it'll be any good for them, because, let's be honest, it's nice playing Milan or Juventus or Real Madrid or Barcelona because it doesn't happen very often. So it's a big thing. It's massive. It's a big occasion. But if you're playing them, you know, twice a season in a league, every season, loses that big, you know, that Leicester, doesn't it? It's not the same. And you're not going to build up the same rivalry because you're not going to go to work. And your mate next year isn't going to be a supporter of the other team you're playing because they'll be a supporter of, say, like, Manchester United, for instance, say they don't, I'm saying they're not in it, 
for instance, just just for the sake of so, this discussion. So, gotcha. so I'm talking to you about it, and you're like, oh, I don't really care because we're not in it. You know, it it doesn't matter. As mm. I, you know, when we're playing Man United, mm, obviously it's a big to. thing because we have the banter. You know what I mean about it, right? And you're going to lose that because. Who cares? When you play Liverpool, play Everton, it's massive because you've got your fa- half your family's likely to be a blue nose. Maybe less, maybe more, depending on your family. You know what I mean? But, right, mate. So you've got the banter, and if you're at work, you're going to know there's always Everton fans in work and Liverpool fans in work. You're have the, you know, you're having a bit of banter between. But when you're playing Barcelona, who the hell do you know who's a Barcelona fan in work? Unless you, know, unless you happen to have a Spanish lad there. You're not likely to have anyone who gives a shit. <laughs> they just don't care, do they? So it just stops. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, it's been great. Uh, well, uh, the podcasting here from Dubai. Uh, uh, yeah, well, sports. Let's see how it works. That was only a test one. So yeah, absolutely. Have to see if it works.